Welcome to Not Your Mama's Relief Society podcast, where we are kicking the culture to the curb and embracing real talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. No matter what, you are welcome here. So put your differences aside, pull up a chair, and let's talk about the kind of love he taught us. Here are two more reviews for the podcast. The first one says, Annie is really easy and fun to listen to, and I love how much her testimony of Jesus Christ shines through and brightens my week. When I listen to the podcast, I feel like I'm being inspired and hanging out with some girlfriends. That was from Nizzy Rate. Then the second review says, I love how Annie addresses real concerns with the joy and optimism of the gospel of Christ. I laugh, I cry, I feel like we're friends even though I don't know her in real life. Aw, if you're looking for a fresh perspective on discipleship, motherhood, friendship, or womanhood, Annie's your girl. And that's from KJWD28. Thank you both for leaving a review. It means the world to me. If you haven't yet left a review, will you go leave one? It means a lot to me and also helps the podcast to grow. So without further ado, here's our next week's episode. All right, friends, welcome back. I'm so excited because my next guest is not only an incredible human being, but she's also my neighbor. How funny is that? So we live across the street from each other, and she was actually the one that introduced me to faith-based life coaching. So Bethany Comerford is a certified faith-based life coach, and she's a speaker and a certified color code interpersonal skills workshop facilitator. It's a very long word that she has able to learn a lot about the color code and how that helps us in her interpersonal uh, relationships. So she and her husband, Cameron, and their two darling daughters, they're here in Gilbert, like I said, across the street from me. It's amazing. And she was, like I said, she's the one that told me about this program and got me so excited about it and has literally changed my life. So I'm so grateful to her and welcome to the show, Bethany. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. We are so jazzed. So you guys, she wrote this book, It's called Secrets of a Recovering Control Freak. And I love a lot of things about this title. But one of the things I love about it is that she's admitting that it's a recovering process. I don't love when books try to claim that, like, they have everything figured out or any program says, like, oh, I have no problems anymore. Because guess what? I don't feel like that's real life. We're recovering. I say I'm a recovering people pleaser. I'm way better than I was, but it still comes up. It still rears its ugly head. Right. Yep. yep. So oh, for sure. I love that. So tell me about the kind of the process of writing this book. So it actually uh, was born from a talk that I had to give in church in sacrament meeting. Oh, nice. Um, I yeah, I was asked to speak on taking the Lord's name upon us. Um, it was a, a you know the theme was about the sacrament and and the sacrament prayers. And as I was preparing the talk, you know, I kind of went through the the thought of we take his name upon us, then we represent him. Then when people see us, they need to see him. And Mm -hmm. then it turned into, well, then what would he have me do? It turned into turning my, you know, my will or our will over to him and what he believes, you know, what he sees needs to happen, which was completely the opposite of how I had lived my life up until that point. Um, (laughs) Nothing to do with the, I mean, I was always active in the church, everything like that. But I had plans. I, I had real plans and they were good plans. They were all worthy, good goals. And, and I had my life planned out perfectly. Uh, before I left high school, I knew exactly how it was going to go. And, and it just looked amazing on paper. And every single time I came close to one of those things happening or trying to make one of those things happen, it did not. Uh, not, not any of them. 
in the timing that I wanted them to happen. Sure. And so it was looking at that and realizing, oh, okay, number one, if I would have just let him be in charge from the get-go, I probably would have been a lot more successful and a lot less frustrated. Sure. But I had to learn all these experiences in my own time and my own way because that's how he wants us to learn. We're all different. We learn differently. So it just became looking back at all of these uh, experiences in my life, but also I can see why they didn't happen the way I wanted them to even though it looked great, it wasn't supposed to be that way. And I was able to look at all the things that I learned because it didn't go the way that I wanted it to go. And so I started writing. I just started writing all these things down from my talk, just with my, my experiences. And honestly, it just kind of turned into like a little, I guess, journal type situation. And I was writing it mainly for my, for my daughters, you know, something that they could look at and see mom's life and uh, as well as my testimony. And then... I don't know if I was completely done with it or not, but I, I sent it to my friend, my best friend and had her read it. Um, and she said, Oh, I think this needs to be a book. I think other people need to see your experiences and know that life doesn't always go the way that we plan it. And that's okay. That we can still be happy that we can still have a testimony. We can still know that heavenly father is there watching over us just because our plans don't go the way we want doesn't mean that he has disappeared. So that's kind of how it went. And I put it all together, was able to, I mean, there's so many little tender mercies along the way. We would be here all day if I sat and told you all. Being able to find, you know, a, a publisher that could help me out and, and do all that, we were able to put it together. The bummer part, which honestly, I shouldn't be surprised at this point because, you know, when you plan things, they don't always go the way you want. <laughs> but, uh, it, it was no different with the book. I was so excited, got it published, got it ready, got it to go and had my first uh, opportunity to, to use it, to speak. And literally the next, uh, it was a Saturday at a Release Society State Conference. And that week was when COVID pandemic quarantine started. And so it all shut down. The world shut down. So I was on this leap of here we go. And then the world shut down. <laughs> well, never mind. So anyway, that's just kind of where it, where it was born. That's so interesting. And I love that, that it was something that you had been pondering for yourself and that it was able to give you this clarity and to kind of look at the patterns in your life and to see what patterns weren't working and what patterns you wanted to develop. And I think that's really powerful. And I think that's one of the beauties of being at church, right? Is that all these lots of opportunities for us to take a look at things and to look at them differently and to have that opportunity to seek that revelation and seek that guidance. That is so, so powerful. Um, one of the story you had so many cool stories in your book, but I think that especially with this right now, like what you're talking about, like things not working like you thought they did, you have lots of examples. I loved your example about your mission and how it was hmm. such a different world. So can you talk about that? Like how your mission was just so much different than you, you know, and just the culture of it too, like all the things, like I just, I loved that chapter so much about your mission. Um, I was pretty candid. I was pretty, pretty open and honest on, on that one. Um, I love it. Not that I wasn't in the rest of the book, but that was a real uh, vulnerable chapter. I, I had grown up wanting to serve a mission, planning to serve a mission, um, which if you read the book, you'll see how kind of dumb I was because I thought also that I would get married first. So how is that going to work? Um, really didn't think that through. Um, yeah, you know, that's cool. But, <laughs> yeah. So 
I, I, you know, put in my papers and on my papers, and I, I don't know if you can still do it now, but there was a little spot of like special requests if you could have what you wanted. And I put that I wanted to go uh, Spanish speaking, third world, and I needed it to be humid. I have naturally curly hair and I knew that would work in my favor. <laughs> so <laughs> I wanted those three things. And I remember my state president asking me, what happens when they send you to Temple Square after he saw that little section? And sure. I said, well, then I'll go, you know, and yeah. I'm not hung up on those or anything. And so got my mission call and I was called to uh, the Dominican Republic, Santo Domingo West Mission. I may have been the only person to open their call and still not know where they were going. I'd never heard of this place. Yeah. So we pull out the map <laughs> and the first thing I saw was Haiti because it shares the island with Haiti. And I got right. worried because I knew I hadn't heard great things coming out of Haiti. And so yeah. little nervous and... You know, so I, I tried to learn, but this is back before really the internet. This is back before all of that, where you can just go Google where you're going or find right and get all the statistics in a heartbeat. Yeah, totally. So I'm still just trying to reach out to people, find ways to talk to people who might have been there, and and I was successful. I was able to find enough people that kind of gave me a heads up um, on what to expect, but nothing can really prepare you. Uh, for when you get to somewhere that is just so absolute, like absolutely opposite of where you have lived and grown up. I did get Spanish speaking. I did get third world. I did get humidity. I got those three things that I wanted. But I, I like, for example, I had taken Spanish in high school. No, I was not fluent, but I could speak a little bit. I could understand when, when you know, certain words. Um, I was lucky in the MTC to have a teacher who had served in my mission, actually. And so he said, I'm going to speak to you like Dominicans. I said, so in Spanish, I got it. Like, oh, right. The Duh. What, what? Yeah, <laughs> that's super helpful. <laughs> I hope you're doing the same to everyone else. Um, but then he started speaking and I said, I, that is not Spanish. I said, what is that? What is that language that you're speaking? And yeah. he said, no, that's Spanish. That's how they speak. They speak very fast. They, they. Uh, cut the ends off of words. They don't really use S's a lot. Um, and so I got nervous. I got real nervous. Mm. And, but when I got to the mission, um, you know, I talk about it in my, my book about my first experience going out with some sisters the first night I got there. And they were wonderful, wonderful sisters. And just walking around, and I could not have been more out of my comfort zone. Number one, couldn't understand anything, anything that was being said around me. Number two, it was so noisy. It was so noisy. There's motorcycles, there's music everywhere. There's people talking everywhere. There's dogs barking. It's just noise. Um, the smells, you know, we walk through little alleyways. There's lots of little alleyways where, where homes are built in these alleyways. And so it's a lot of kind of a sewer smell. This is not everywhere in the island. This is just where uh, that first area was. Yeah. Uh, and I don't do well with smells. I, I feel like my senses are, are heightened. My eyesight's horrible. So I, I tell people that I think my other senses are heightened because of that. Sure. I could totally be making that up, <laughs> um, but I, I'm using it. And so my sense of smell is way too strong. I wish it wasn't. I, I, I could be one of those people that if I got COVID and lost my sense of smell, I wouldn't be too mad. The, so the, the noise and the, the smells were the really overpowering things for me. And I was just really uncomfortable, just really thinking, wow. And at first, and I think most missionaries will say this if they go to somewhere where, you know, very different from where they're, they grew up. At first, it's very neat. At first, it's just amazing. And it's, it's exciting. And you're thinking, I can't wait to write home about this. I can't wait to tell them about this. This is so crazy and exciting. 
And about a month after that, you think, oh, I'm here <laughs> for a while. And it's not as exciting anymore. The novelty's kind of worn off. And, you, you, and I hit, you know, my first wall of struggling. Um, you know, I still was not able to understand everyone. And I, I talked about in the book, one of my, the worst experiences that I had, not worst, hardest, was general conference. So the first, I got to the island on the 4th of July, actually. So when October conference came around, I was struggling. I was struggling bad. I needed um, a boost. And so they had told us that we would get to watch conference in English. And I needed that more than anything. I just needed to hear things that I didn't have to try to translate in my brain to understand. And we got to the church and they said, oh, we weren't able to get it in English. And that was like the straw that broke the camel's back. And I just fell apart. Um, I was so upset. And we went back to our zone leader's house in between sessions. And, you know, there was an elder there that I, I was, we were very close. And um, he was about to go home. And he was really helpful in reminding me that you don't have to be completely comfortable here right now. You're still new. And you are going to love these people. And it's, it's, this is different. He validated where I was, but at the same time, you know, he taught me to love them for who they were, love them for the differences. I'm a control freak. I like to be on time. I like to be early. I don't like to be on time. I like to be early. And so that doesn't really work for Dominicans. I remember my first companion telling me after she got frustrated with me being worried about being on time or late to a, to a discussion she said, you need to just take your watch off. And I said, why? <laughs> I said, we have a, we have a, 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 in Spanish, they're called charlas. We had discussion. We have a charla scheduled in, in um, 10 minutes in, at this house, which was at least a 20 minute walk from our house. And I'm thinking we're definitely late. And then we would get there and I'm just, I'm just out of my mind that we're late and we show up and the woman will open the door and, Oh, you guys are early. And I'm thinking, oh, where are we? Where are we? This is not normal. Yeah. <laughs> we are so late. We are and, not in and, Kansas anymore, Toto. No. <laughs> and so it was very, very different that way. But it taught me to see them for who they were. And here are these people who don't care, not all of them, but as a culture, being on time, being early is not the most important thing. The most important thing is being where you need to be and loving who you need to love and focusing on what really matters, not the logistics. It kind of goes back to the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law. Yeah. I was very letter of the law. <laughs> and so I needed to kind of ease up on that. And that's one thing I had to learn. And I believe that's part of why I was sent to that mission. So I could learn that. Yeah, I, I love that. that. Well, you know, and again, we're recovering, we're learning, we're growing. We are recovering. And, right? Because here's the thing. I actually just told a client this recently. Like, if you just had it all figured out tomorrow, like, what would you do with the rest of your mortality? Like, you'd be bored in five minutes. Exactly. Maybe not five exactly. minutes. Like, maybe you spend like a week in Hawaii, you know, lounging on the <laughs> beach. And then you'd be like, yeah. uh, now I'm bored. Like, yeah. if we weren't progressing, we would be bored. And it's never going to yeah. stop. We're going to do it in the next life, too. So, yes, we're always progressing. I love that. And I love that story. And I loved it for a lot of reasons. One, I had some culture shock. It was different on my mission because it was Chicago, which mm -hmm. is got its own cultural base and also is very different from this girl grew up in Orem, Utah. Mm, so that yeah. was a big change for me, not in the same ways, right? But so I related to that story in that way. And then also 
um, I went to the Dominican this last summer for like a service tour and did like service projects there and did some adventure things there. And so it was like fun to read about it from like your perspective as a missionary where I was just there for a week to, you know, do some service projects. Right. And all the humidity and all the trash and all the, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> yes, like it helped me kind of put me more into your shoes of what it was like to step into that as a young girl and, to have, you know, have this missionary experience in the Dominican. And mm-hmm. I mean, we went on one of our like adventure things and our like tour guides kept saying like Dominican five minute, Dominican five oh. minute. <laughs> <laughs> and so we made jokes about that the whole trip. Like, you know, it's an hour later, we're like Dominican five minute. Yes. I can kind of understand what you're describing, right. That there mm-hmm. is just a different culture and it's not just them. There's lots of different cultures everywhere. And right. there's, there's even different cultures within like, the people around us. But oh, I think sure. if we can look at it that way of like, they're just got a little bit different culture. Like yeah. we might, you know, going to a different country and being like, Oh yeah, that's just how they do things here. Like what a good opportunity for you to learn that. Right. And to have your yeah. eyes open to that. And I know you have this awesome journal. So for listeners, there's also like a companion journal that goes with her book that like guides you through lots of questions to help you work through these concepts. So um, I know you've got lots of awesome things to say about like how to deal with plans, not working out like you'd hoped. So what would be some of the things that you would share about that? Um, my first thought is, you know, okay, you're facing something that did not go as planned. Is there anything you can look back on your life and think, when else has this happened? When else have I planned? What's another time I planned something and it didn't go as planned? How did I get through it? And mm. what did I see come from that? What hindsight's 2020. So we, we look back and we see, oh, I'm so glad that didn't happen the way I planned it. That would not have been good. I mean, or even maybe it would have been fine, but this way was so much better. I didn't even plan it. And it's so much better. Yeah. And so look back and draw from those experiences um, and see what you learn from those experiences. That would be my number one. Uh, and then I would, my, I always, always just, it comes back to, you know, the talk that inspired the book. Heavenly Father knows everything. We are only able to see a little bit into the future. And not even that, we're only able to see a little bit of what could be, hap- what could be possible. He sees right. it all. He sees the mm-hmm. whole plan. Why wouldn't we go to him? Why wouldn't we let him tell us, listen, yeah, you have your agency. You can do whatever you want. I'm just going to give you a heads up. If you go this way, it's probably going to be a lot better for you. And you're going to be happier in the long run. I think of it as like when we hear uh, maybe like our kids make plans and then we're going to go here and then we're going to go there. And you're thinking logistically, that's absolutely impossible. There's just no way. Um, <laughs> yeah, nice try. There <laughs> that fast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because they don't know. They don't know better. And so I'm sure Heavenly Father looks at us making our plans and going, that's not even possible, sweetie. Like, that's not going to work for you. Right. He's like, um, that's cute, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> not going to work. Yeah. You know, I think one of the major ones for me where I was very much planning something that I thought would happen and, and it physically could not happen at the time was wanting to get married. I really just wanted to get married. It's really dumb because I wanted to serve a mission, but I also really wanted to get married. And it was kind of like, I'll go on a mission if the marriage doesn't happen. <laughs> and so I went looking for, for the husband. And he, had I known the future, I would have known my husband was still in high school 
when I was in college. <laughs> He's yeah. a year and a half younger than me. So yeah. he, no, he, I could not marry him at that point. Right. That, 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 that wasn't was a good time the, to get married. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, he was not ready. I was not ready. Um, and I didn't know him yet or anything. But it, that was just something where Heavenly Father is probably like, sweetie, he's not even out of high school. Like, yeah, he ain't legal yet, sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Focus on yourself. Focus on these other things. And then you'll get there. Don't you worry. You'll get there. I used to just get really upset. I used to get very hung up on the plan not going the way that I wanted it to go. And I would almost, you know, I don't want to say I would get angry. At, at God or anything, but I would just get very frustrated. Like I, it, it was that thought of, I know, you know, better, but I really wanted this to go the way I wanted it to go. And if you loved yeah. me, it would have been that way kind of a thought, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it, I would get a lot more frustrated. Whereas now when they don't go according to plan, I just think he knows better. This is supposed to happen. He knows better. And I have so much more trust in him, but that comes from over time and practice and looking back. Yeah, for sure. And do you remember which talk it was that talked about how they were driving down the road and there was two paths and they felt really good about taking this one path and they get to the end and they're like, it was a dead end. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the heck? Why did I get a good feeling about going down that road? Yes. But then they realize it's because then you would know that was the wrong one. Because yes. otherwise you would have been on the other one the whole time questioning like, is, is this right? Is this right? But now Absolutely. you know this is the right one. It's like these things happen and you're like, man, that's annoying. But they're like, Oh, wait a minute. Actually, it's now that's taught me that this is not the way to do it. Or like, this is not the path I need or whatever. Like that those are just as valuable as may not be as fun, but they're just as valuable to get the like wrong, quote unquote, wrong answer or the wrong path or whatever. So we can be more clear about the path that works better for us. See, and I had one of those experiences. The one that pops in my head is when we were going through um, trying to have kids and going through infertility. And, you know, after a while, I'm like, you know what, let's try adoption. Let's see if that works for us. Um, yeah. So we started that process. And I am one that loves to fill out paperwork. It's very, it's, it's easy. And so it's kind of brainless work. And I, for some reason, enjoy it. I don't know why. But I remember having that, it is a so much paperwork <laughs> to fill out to get certified um, to adopt. And I can't even express how that paperwork looked like it was in a different language I've never seen before. It was just completely foreign to me. And it was so difficult that it was that it's the only time in my life that I've ever really experienced the stupor of thought. Yeah. And it was my answer. This is not for you. And of course, that came with a lot more frustration because I'm thinking, okay, so we can't physically have children right now and we can't adopt. So you're really just closing both of our options at this point. That's, you know, I struggled. I struggled really bad with that, but I can never deny that I knew that that was not the path that we were supposed to go down. Right. But then because you tried it, right? Because you you decided to just kind of take some steps, at least some steps in that direction to find out if it was the right answer or not. Absolutely. I love that. So true. And, and I, that was a great chapter as well, talking about your infertility and how painful and hard that was. And I personally haven't experienced like the going down this whole road of infertility. I have several friends who have, in fact, we had another episode where, you know, a a couple that I love dearly, they struggled with that for many, many years and they never did actually have their own biological children. They've adopted Mm -hmm. three children and their story is incredible. And Mm -hmm. it's just so interesting that even though people can have like a similar, similar struggle, they have different answers that come out of it. 
right? For because sure. there's, there's different like paths for each of us, but it's all to bring us back to the savior. And that's yes. what really matters is that at the end of the day, all of these experiences that bring us to our knees, it's because it's meant to bring us to our knees. Yes. And exactly. to rely on him. Yeah, I, I was just talking to someone the other day and I said, you know, I, I really dislike when people use the phrase, you know, he doesn't give you anything he can't handle. And I, cause I believe, oh yes, he does. Because he gives you things that you can't handle by yourself. He gives you things right. that you need the savior, that you need him to help you through. That's right. what and he gives you. Yeah. So maybe we could rephrase that of like, he doesn't give us things that we can't handle without him. Exactly. But exactly. the point of it is so that we will come to him. Because yes. he can't, he, and he will not ever force us to. He's not ever going to control us, which is why it's mm-hmm. so funny we're obsessed with control. We all are in some <laughs> degree, right? Yeah. Like control's an illusion anyway, but we're like, it's so funny. Like our natural brain just wants to like try to control the things. It's like, truthfully, he's, he will never control us. Mm-mm. He won't. He's lovingly beckoning, inviting us to come to be with him because he yes. knows how much better it is over there, but he won't force us. Exactly. We have to come willingly. Yep. I love that. So um, I had a question for you too about how do we develop like a new relationship with failure? I feel like you talk about that throughout the book about how, you know, we, as a culture, we look at failure as like this terrible thing. We make it about us, like you're a failure, mm-hmm. right? It's like, no, yeah. I failed in something and I'm freaking awesome. Like it doesn't yeah. mean like yep. I'm a terrible person because I failed at something. So I feel like there needs to be a shift in our relationship with failure. So one thing that I talk about in the book, the book is very much a whole lot of my mom. You're going to get a whole lot of lessons from my mom in this book because she was so good at giving me those little life lessons. And, and for all the moms out there, all the parents out there, we did not have all these sit down heart to heart moments. Okay. These were, these were things that she said in passing. These were just random little phrases that would come out of her mouth. A lot of them were repeated, but some of them weren't, but I knew, I don't know. I I picked them up and and they stuck with me. And one of them that she taught me and is, it was with the word mistakes, but I'll include failures. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as a failure. There's no such thing as a mistake. They are called learning experiences. Yes. And so she took the stigma out of mistakes, making a mistake. She took the shame out of making a mistake or failing or anything like that. And it opened up this whole world of you can try stuff and maybe it won't work for you. And that's okay. It, that wasn't your thing to do. And then you move on. As long as you learn something from it, it's not a mistake. And so when I hear people say things like, you know, how do we deal with failure and stuff? It's, it's almost like a trigger word, just like mistakes is a trigger word for me. It's not, it, that's, it's almost like a bad word. No, yeah. no, no, no. There's no mistakes. You, you learned something. We're down here living. We're not down yep. here to do it all right. Every time, the first time we're here to learn from it and, and maybe do it better the next time, or maybe don't do it ever again. So what did we learn from it? And the other part of that is, a lot of times we go through things where, where uh, if you want to use the word failure, it hurts. It hits deep. It cuts yeah. deep. It opens us up. A lot of times that connects us to other people who may be going through the same thing or maybe failed as well or maybe will fail after us. And so we have a soft spot for that situation. And we can connect with other people and relate to other people as to how we got through it. 
and how we can help them get through it. I believe so many things, our lives are supposed to connect. We're supposed to connect with each other and use each other to get through life. And it's how he uses us to bless other people's lives. It's how he uses other people's lives to bless ours. It, it opens us up. We become more vulnerable and open with each other. So I don't believe in failure, really. <laughs> right. Like I, and I think it's just the reframing of that word, right? That mm-hmm. like, that does, it doesn't have to be a bad thing because it's not meant to be a bad thing. We, right. we, it's the meanings we make around it. And I, it's so funny because he's like, conference talks just like are coming to my brain as we're talking. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't have the reference, but do you remember the talk just pretty recently where he talked about that changing the wording to being a learning opportunity, mm-hmm. but that's how yeah. we should be looking at these things is that it's more empowering to look at it that way. Cause listen, if you want to still call it like you're a bad person cause you failed, if that's working for you, knock yourself out. But yeah. I doubt that it is. I doubt it's working for you. So yeah. just maybe consider reframing that mindset to like, this is a chance for me to learn. And if we're always being a perpetual learner, what a different mindset and a different world to look at. I mean, it, listen, if you love hanging out in shame, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't no. I don't like it. It feels rotten. And so I don't yeah. want to be in that space. I want to be in a space where I'm trying to always be learning and be in a growth mindset. That doesn't mean that I have it all figured out. Growth right. mindset just means I will, I'm always learning. And therefore, I'll never be bored because yep. I'm always learning. Exactly. <laughs> like we said in the beginning, like if you had nothing to progress with, like, man, you'd be bored. A lot of things we right. plan on do work out and, that, and we don't think of it. We just think, oh, I did that. Go me. You know, it's when we, when it doesn't work out that we start thinking, well, why, why, who doesn't want me to be happy? You know, we get, we get frustrated and angry, but I would also say people who, who have a lot of fear moving forward, they, they want to be faithful, but, but I mean, for whatever they're facing, that's going to take a whole lot of faith that they've never had to use before. You know, maybe they're up against something very, very hard, very real life hard. I, I like to ask them, okay, well, let's talk about it. What's the worst thing that you can imagine happening? What is the absolute just worst thing that could happen? Chances are good that is not going to happen. <laughs> There's just no way that's going to happen, but it's something their mind has come up with. And so anything better than that is a win. So it kind of talks them off the ledge a little bit. And then I say, well, what's the best thing that could happen if this does work out? You know, what's the best thing? And then they, ha- they start to build a little more confidence. They start to build a little more faith because they can actually picture it happening. You know, they can picture the two, the ends of the spectrum of it could, it's not going to be that bad. It, it just, there's, it's just not going to happen, but it could be this good. And so I'm going to go with that end. That feels better. That makes me happy. That makes me feel more positive. I'm going to go on that, on that one. And so they're able to use some faith in, even if this doesn't happen though, it'll be okay. I'll be okay. That's what, that's what faith is. Faith isn't believing that what you want to happen is going to happen exactly like you want it. Faith is believing that however it happens, you're going to be okay. Yeah, that's perfect. Because I love what you said, just relating it to your infertility. I have faith I'll have a baby next year. Well, you're putting faith in a temporal body mm-hmm. versus putting yep. your faith in a eternal being who has a greater picture like you described earlier. He has a greater picture for us and he sees things that we can't see. So I think that's a very important distinction. What is your faith in 
And if it is faith in an, in an outcome, oh boy, that, that that's <laughs> tricky waters, right? Like, yes, yes. That is tricky. And listen, we can obviously talk to him about it. Hey, Heavenly Father, I really want this baby. And he knows that. He knows that we're wanting. In Absolutely. fact, I keep my, my scripture study kind of keeps bringing me back to similar scriptures around Heavenly Father knows your needs. You know, because there's things that I have deep desires right now for my life. And Heavenly mm-hmm. Father's fully aware of them. He keeps reminding me in my scripture study, like, I'm aware. I'm aware of what you want. I'm aware of what your needs are. And let's just do the next right thing. Yeah. Because if See, I can just every day come to him with, like, what's the next right thing today? Uh-huh. Then all those little steps are going to create a result that I can't even imagine right now. But that doesn't guarantee it's going to happen anytime soon or even in this lifetime. Right. But he knows that and he's aware of that. And he'd like to give me that when the time is right. And he can be preparing me for if that's going to happen or preparing me for whatever service and, you know, purpose I have in this, in this mortal life until the next life when I have that promise fulfilled. It's just that I like that idea of being a partner and that that's why it matters because yes, he has a much better idea in mind, but we are building this together. We're building this life together. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's not, he doesn't want to just make it be that way that remember that was the plan of the other guy (laughs) right like yeah we don't like him (laughs) exactly let me call the shots let me make them do what they need to do to get back here and and i you'll get them all back no problem and that that was not the plan he wants us to have as much say in our lives as possible he because i talk to people and i say there are things in you that you dream of that you wish for that you want so badly that the next person could not care less about Those things are in you for a reason, because it's part of your purpose here. It's part of what you will do in your life. It's part of how you will bless the lives of others. It's in there for a reason. We got to figure out what that is. And Heavenly Father wants us to figure out what that is so that we can use it. When we figure it out, he gets to use it. He gets to use us to bless other people, which then makes us feel amazing. It's a double payoff. Right. Right. Because we're here all together on purpose. Like we're not all in a little box by ourselves trying to figure this out. Like, no, we were all put on this earth together in this mortal practice ground on purpose. So yes, Mm -hmm. for sure. So one of my listeners um, wrote a question in about how do we help our kids with learning, like how to let go of control. So do you have any advice for us on how we can help teach our kiddos these concepts and help them granted they're going to still do it because they're little, but like if we can Mm -hmm. just start to help them with that and give them those tools, I think that could be really beneficial for them for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, First of all, I would say share your experiences with them. Share your experiences of when you really, really wanted something and you didn't get it. Or when you wanted something to go a certain way and it didn't. And then show them how, number one, you still lived. Number two, what did you learn? What, why didn't it go that way? Why are you so glad it didn't go that way? You need to show them that just because things don't turn out the way that we want them doesn't mean it's the end, you know, yeah. it, that it, we still can come out of that. This is another analogy from my mom. And I, it's in the book about the, the branch holding onto a branch. And she, you know, she said, it's like, you're, I would get hung up on things because I was so planned. I just needed things to happen. Go, go my way that she said, are you, it, it's like, you're holding onto a branch. It's like you're flowing, floating down a river you know, and you're cruising along and life's great, everything's great. And you find a, a, an idea or a good place that you want to be and you grab onto a branch and you are fighting the current with all that you have because you just need to be right here and this needs to happen. 
And you do that for as long as you can until ultimately you can't and you have to let go and you keep floating along and you realize you start looking around at how amazing things are. And you think I would have missed this. Had I gotten out, I would have missed this. Had I gotten so hung up on stayed on that situation, I would have missed what was coming. And so I use those examples of things like maybe marrying someone who probably isn't the right one for us, but we're fighting that. We just know I need to be married and, and it just has to be yeah. this person um, that's holding on to a branch. It's a lot of times when we get the no answer, but we still go with it. We still think, well, maybe that wasn't a real no. You know, yeah. we still go with it. <laughs> well, or... are you sure? Because I still kind of want to do this. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I always think about that. Are you holding on to a branch? Is this a branch that you're holding on to? If you kept yeah. moving, what would you miss? If you didn't keep moving, what would you miss? I would ask them, you know, personally with each child, it's different. Why? Why do they need things to be this certain way? What, what would that do for them if it happened this way? Because a lot of times mm -hmm. there's going to be That's some good. deeper stuff going on. There might be other things in their lives that they don't feel like they can control. Um, and so they will try to control what they can. And a lot of times we need to teach them that that doesn't, you know, just because you don't have control over here doesn't mean you have to have hype, like super control over here. Um, sure. Yeah. Kind of so talk to them about that. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Asking them like, why? What if they come back with like, I don't know, like, what are some more things we could kind of help? Because that's good. Like, we know there's something else under there, right? But like, if kiddos uh -huh. are really unaware of that, what are some things we could kind of help to get to the bottom of it with this kiddo? If they're like, I don't know why. I just do it. I don't know why. Well, I would ask them, I would say, okay, what if it play devil's advocate play, you know, say, what if it went this way? What if this happened? Mm. What would you do? Honestly, those can actually be really real scenarios that you're preparing them for. And that's one thing I talk about is talk about plan B, talk about plan C, talk about plan D, you know, mm -hmm. remind them that there are other ways that this could go, that it do we don't always get to control everything, but that's okay. And I would honestly, always, much as you can, yeah. connect them with Heavenly Father and remind them that he may have a different plan for you. He may have a surprise plan that you can't even think of, but I promise you will love it and you will be so much happier if it goes that way. Yes, you might get your way. You know, sometimes we do get our way and that's great and that feels good and that makes us happy. Sometimes we don't. And that's because Heavenly Father has, I, you know, especially with younger children, I would say, because he has a surprise plan for us that we don't mm. even know about. <laughs> yeah. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to see how cool that could be. And it opens up to rather than it's either got to go my way or it's a fail or it's I'm unhappy to if it doesn't, if I hope it goes my way and it might, but if it doesn't, that's okay. And Heavenly Father is in control and, and he has a different plan for it. Yeah. Like, but if not, there might be something better in, in store mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. So as you're talking, I'm like, yeah, especially for kiddos are a little bit older and can kind of understand those concepts. But it made me think about like, what about like younger kiddos that are just trying to control like their environment around them? And they may not even be thinking about controlling their life plan because they're just right. not in that place. But like, you know, even just elementary age where they're just trying to control things, just control the things in their environment and just kind of control everything around them as like mm -hmm. a means to try to feel safe. What might you say for a parent who's got a kiddo in that situation? I would show them what they do have control over. Show them all yeah. the things they do get to control. You know, a lot of times because they're looking for control, it's because they feel like they don't have it. So show them what they can control. Show them Perfect. how they get to control what they wear to school. They get to control 
um, you know, what food they, that's a fight. I don't want to fight, but you know, what, (laughs) what food they, they put in their bodies, they get to control that they get to control how often they shower, they get to control, um, what they listen to or, or what they watch and how their room looks, show them all the control that they really do have. Because especially as kids, parents are in control most of the time. So they do feel like they don't get a lot of say. So start and, and maybe introduce a new control, maybe introduce something that they, that you're willing to let them control. And right. To give them the, to them. fill that power. Yeah, exactly. And then show them and then always reinforce, always come back with positive reinforcement when you see how well they're doing with it, as well as when it doesn't go the way that they wanted, when they, when it, they didn't have control over something or their way didn't work out, you know, show them how you notice that and how they still were strong and they still were happy or they still dealt with it well. Let them right. know that, that life is not always going to go our way. In fact, a lot of the times it's not, and we can still be happy and we can still move forward. You know, totally. show them that you notice that always positive reinforcement is the best. Yeah, thing. no, I think that's perfect. And like giving them those choices, right? Especially when they are little, cause you're totally right. When, when parents have so much control, they can feel really frustrated with that. The long thing that you read in my bio the color code interpersonal skills workshop yes. facilitator, <laughs> that whole thing, mouthful. I wish I could shorten that. I don't know how, but my brain thinks in colors. And so, I, you know, I've lived by the color code um, that uh, Dr. Taylor Hartman came up with and I was raised with it basically. And so it's how my brain works. And so I look at each person, including my children that way. I look at what is their color. A red is going to want to control a lot, a lot of their life. And they're going to get real frustrated, even as a child, they're going to get frustrated because they don't have control. So that needs to be something. I was working with a, a client and she was very frustrated during the, uh, actually, I think she went full homeschool during the quarantine yeah. when kids were, were home and we were doing homeschooling, which was, oh, not, so not good over here at all. Um, yeah, I feel you. That was, it was hard, hard times. <laughs> She was struggling with one of her children. She has three children that she's doing school with. And she's like, the other two, no problem. We're doing great. Everything's fine. But this one, he's just making it so difficult. He just, we fight. Like, I just dread it every day because we fight. And so I started asking her a little more about him. And, and I could easily tell he's, he's a red personality. He wants to mm-hmm. control. He doesn't want her telling him what to do all the time. And so I said, you know, what if we lay it out to where here's what you need to get done. And you tell him that in the morning and he, you know, has until a certain time to do it, but he can decide when and how and how long it takes him to do it. But then he doesn't get to do this, you know, good thing or fun thing until it's done. Totally his, his call though. He could not do his work at all. And that's his choice. He doesn't get to do the fun thing. And she said, that was a game changer. She said, when I took the control and gave it back to him in an area where I knew he could handle it. And I could give up that control. He thrived. He loved it. And it turned everything around. They weren't fighting anymore. And so I see people with, with colors. I want to know every single person's color when I meet them, when I'm talking to them, because it helps me know how to talk to them, how to interact with them. I think as parents, it is one of the most valuable things ever to learn who is your kid. Because you can't parent all of your kids the same way. Every mom right. will tell you that if they have more than one child. Yep. They can tell you how opposite their kids are, how different they are, and how one thing worked for one and was a disaster with the other. Find out who your kid is. 
and, and see if, if control is something that they're trying to do, it might just be who they are. And so you need to show them how they can do it in a, in a good way that will be productive and, and make them happy and not bring so much frustration. Right. And that we are lovingly supporting them for the personality that they have. Mm-hmm. No, I mm-hmm. love that for sure. Okay. Well, as we wrap up today, this has all been wildly helpful. You are incredible. But to wrap up, I just would love for you to share your testimony about how this has brought you closer to the Savior, closer to God, as you've learned to overcome letting go of this control. One of the biggest things for me coming closer to the Savior was when I was going through infertility, and it was a thought, and I shared this also in that talk, that everyone always says, you know, he understands, go to him, he understands, and he can comfort you. And I'm thinking, he didn't go through infertility, you know, he doesn't know what this is really like. (laughs) And, and I really, that was a barrier for me. I was like, no, he really doesn't. Like, this is not a scripture story that I can turn to and see where he dealt with it. And it was frustrating. And then as I was reading about, obviously, um, it was at Easter time and reading about the Garden of Gethsemane, it was the phrase, and I'm, and I'm paraphrasing because I want to make it more human to us, more, more like our brain please don't make me do this. If there's, if if I can be done with this, please take it away. Take this trial away. I can't, I don't want to do this, but if I have to, I will. And it was that, oh, he gets it. Cause that's all I was saying was please make this end. Please let this trial end so that I can be happy. But if it's not supposed to, then I'll, I'll keep going. You know, I'll, I'll do it. It, that changed me. That's where everything changed because that's relatable to anything we go through. Make it, let it end. Make me not go through this, you know, but if I have to, I will. That made him more real to me. That made him someone that became so much more real to me. And knowing that he understands what I'm going through for real and he does understand that feeling of wanting it to end and, or not having to go through something, let me know that he always understands. And then learning that I plan things and that I'm human. And, and as good as my intentions were, all my goals were worthy, you know, healthy, good things. I'm still human. I, I don't have all the answers and I don't get to see the future. And knowing that he does and that he would give me so much leeway and so much agency to try and to, to have as much of a role in my own life as possible, but also show me, it, it, I almost think of it as like a parent. It was like, you tried so hard and that was so, so good of, a, of an effort, but it's so, it's so much better this way. You know, this is so much better for you and, and showing me that he always wants better for us. He always wants us, you know, to go through the experiences that will teach us what we need to learn because those experiences build us up. They create more confidence in us that will be useful in the next trial that we come up to. We'll think, well, well, I got past that one. So I bet I can get past this one too. And then like I said earlier, it opens us up to where we can, we connect with other people. You know, there's been so many people that, I mean, as a coach, I, I can't have every experience in life. I can't relate to every single person yeah. with everything, but as many things as I can, it's the best. It's the best when I can be talking to a client and say, I ha- I've been in this situation. I've actually been here. I've, I yeah. know exactly how you feel. Because there's nothing better than talking to someone when you're in the middle of something hard who can say, I get it 100% yeah. and you are totally validated for how you feel. Yep. And so that's where I see like, I'm going to try to not be so 
stubborn and, and try to control things the way that I want. I'm still making plans. I still have goals and dreams and everything. And those are wonderful things, but I'm much more open to, or maybe you could go this way <laughs> or maybe yeah. this one isn't supposed to happen. <laughs> right. There, there's um, options within the plan. <laughs> yes. And yes. so it's, it's softened me and it's just shown me how real heavenly father is and that he really is always there. No matter what we go through, he is always there and he wants us to be happy. That's just very real. I've seen it in my own life. I love that. Well, Bethany, thank you so much for taking the time to share your wisdom, share your testimony, share your thoughts. This has been helpful to me. It's made me think about a lot of things that I would like to look at for my own life. And uh, for those who are listening, I hope that this has inspired you to take a step back. And especially in this month of January, that's why I thought of Bethany for an interview this month of like, we get so oh, it's January, we got to make all these goals and do all these things and we have to change all the things. And it's like, yeah, you know what? It's it's fun to have a fresh start, absolutely. But I think maybe we could take a step back, slow it down, learn to check in with God, let go of some of the control. And that submission to God is a breath of fresh air. It really can be. So as you learn Mm -hmm. to let go and let God and to be closer to him and develop that partnership with him, that you'll find so much peace and so much joy no matter what's going on in your life. So thank you for listening and we'll see you next week. If you want to learn more about how to use gospel principles to strengthen your relationships, I'm a relationship coach and I would be honored to work with you. Contact me through Instagram at HeyAnnieJoy or my website, AnnieJoy.com. 